everyday japan by mabel loomis todd this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org artistic consistency pervades japan during one of our visits to that flowery land the fact was vividly illustrated an american acquaintance bought in tokyo an exquisite ivory carving a japanese lady seated beside a low table and vase of flowers one of the daintiest figures of a well-known artist this lovely bit was nevertheless bought for half yes a tenth part of its normal price and why simply because perhaps in a moment of abstraction the carver had represented cherry blossoms in the vase while showing a chrysanthemum pattern in the embroidery of the lady's kimono no japanese of refinement would wear a robe out of character with the season said the dealer simply and no japanese would care to own such a combination whereupon the american gaily departed with his prize such fineness of detail would not trouble his countrymen and this in different manifestations seems the pervasive spirit of the country a respectfulness of attitude toward beauty an appreciation found with us only in favored classes tinges the entire nation low as well as high temples and public buildings are not defaced by insignificant names of sightseers porcelain seats storks vases lanterns wood carvings remain uninjured and untouched in parks and gardens and enthusiastic groups may constantly be seen surrounding any artistic object gazing lovingly admiringly discriminatingly upon its beauties their attitude is much like that of the german masses toward the best music how many generations it will require for our own millions to reach this point would perhaps not be safe to predict many years ago during our first visit to japan we spent nearly three months in an old feudal castle in a small city somewhat over one hundred miles from tokyo raised eighty feet above the town and surrounding rice fields by three tiers of stone embankments saved from too close scrutiny by a moat filled with blossoming lotus the picturesque old stronghold stood sentinel on its pinnacle while swinging garlands of white roses nodding themselves in every crevice gave a touch of grace and beauty to the grim walls the surrounding country was full of myriads of wild flowers and of easter lilies tall white fragrant too much of a temptation to resist day after day found me painting their lovely tints on whatever improvised canvas i could secure large trays of natural wood even the coolie raincoats were brought into service until my room wide open to the summer air began to resemble a studio in earnest the amount of interest those flower studies raised not only among our own servants and assistants but in the city as well could hardly have been matched in any other country japanese callers flocked to the castle watching as i worked until finally it became a custom for the upper-class visitors to bring their own trays bamboo mats long strips of paper to be made into kakamonos whatever pleased them with the request that i would paint even one blossom on these varied articles i found my hands full and was finally obliged to refuse 
after having done about a dozen for the various city fathers i was sorry as well as they their innocent joy in the work their silent watching of every stroke their sigh of appreciation when any one touch brought out the effect i wanted and which they instinctively recognized all were subtle if unintentional but no less agreeable flattery their presence to us continually offered were characteristic these interested warm-hearted men still wore the beautiful old native costume unspoiled by derby hats and american boots and day after day they toiled up the grassy paths under the flat-topped pines with their offerings on one occasion the gift consisted of eight quail alive and very happy pecking gaily about their bamboo cage for ekusama tiffin luncheon they explained bowing themselves away with many gracious smiles but the birds did not appear at tiffin that day nor at dinner nor the next i frequently interrogated the cook as to their whereabouts and asked him to give them to us soon at which he smiled and bowed amiably pointing to the little cage set in the shade of a flowering shrub with its bright-eyed occupants when a week had gone by and that day's menu was still flexible i finally told him that now he must cook them a look of distress overspread his face he bowed silently that night at dinner some excellent chickens were served but no quail the reason finally came out reluctantly not a single man in our employ was willing to kill them so they were finally taken down into the town and exchanged for some chickens already killed thus saving the feelings of our tender-hearted menials we have usually had our tables supplied and served in european style even when traveling in the interior or camping in remote localities but occasionally the native inns have proved too tempting in their fresh beauty and daintiness and we have eaten and slept and lived on the floor like veritable natives the tiny table set before each one with its collection of pretty china dishes and lacquer bowl for soup the attractive maids waiting on their knees the always delicious pale yellow omnipresent tea the whole gently gay friendly atmosphere is irresistible one never sees their spoon or knife though they are used in preparing the meal kitchen utensils only they are reserved for the use of servants in homely tasks while chopsticks of ivory or ebony lacquer or plain wood are brought to the traveller and really after learning their proper use knives and forks do seem a clumsy invention beside the pretty grace of these toy expedients it is easy to acquire their manipulation not however until one is able successfully to lift an egg in the shell by their aid may the pupil be considered really expert fish is so delicately cooked that its shredding by chopsticks is very simple and vegetables are already in pieces small enough to eat the large beans lily bulbs bamboo shoots are easy to manipulate while of course rice presents no difficulties at all i never could acquire the ability to have my rice bowl filled more than three times at one meal though i should not dare to enumerate the multitudinous refillings indulged in by all japanese it is even more than their staff of life one soon learns to recognize the street cries as vegetable vendors pipe sellers men with dwarfed pines and other itinerant shopmen pass with their wares and pertinent enough the calls often are 
successfully translating the article into vocal expression dainty and deeply ingrained in national habit as are their methods of cooking and dining however and widely as these differ from western ways the japanese are singularly adaptable and it only needed a little suggestion of our use of centerpieces and doilies of all sorts for them to seize the idea at once and with their infinite patience and cultivated taste drawn work and embroidery of most exquisite kinds were speedily produced to those who are purists in art demanding that everything shall be made by each nation irrespective of the wants of foreigners and never for purposes of sale to the barbarous outsider these lovely centerpieces will not appeal as japanese works but in themselves they are the most beautiful in the world it is in coarse satsuma cheap lacquer and rough cloisonne made in foreign shapes solely for sale and obviously far removed from their own ideas of the sacredness of beauty that we see art degeneration in japan a sad sight in any country but most of all there where the subtle feeling for art is actually breathed in the air from earliest infancy it must be generations yet however before the moneyed foreigner with more yen than taste will succeed in prostituting the art or many of the customs of a country which was critical in the texture of a surface and making lacquers to defy the wear of centuries when america was still unbroken forest and all undreaming of its coming conquerors from beyond the sea end of everyday japan by mabel loomis todd recording by betty b